Hallelujah, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the foundational doctrine of Christianity. Contained within this doctrine, one can find threads to all other doctrines of Christianity. Trinity, incarnation, atonement, the doctrines of humanity, the church, the sacraments, and even how to live our lives on a daily basis can be unfurled from the idea that today's feast celebrates. And this is the highest feast in the church year because it celebrates the most important moment in the Christian faith, and I think indeed the most important moment in the history of the world. And that moment when, as St. Peter put it in our Acts reading today, God raised Jesus on the third day. The pastor and writer Tim Keller shares a story of how when he was a college student in the early 1970s, his campus was in social turmoil. The Vietnam was, War was raging on and, and, and there were student protests across the country and at his school. People were angry, confused, and, and lost. So Keller and his InterVarsity chapter put up a sign on the campus quad and, and sat under it and the sign said, the resurrection of Christ is intellectually credible and existentially satisfying. <laughs> now, this sign spawned no small amount of conversation on his campus and indeed led to the growth of his InterVarsity group. And I think there's something very profound in this statement. Not only is the resurrection the foundational doctrine of Christianity, I think it's the foundational idea that makes our very existence even worth having and thus satisfying. Now, the intellectual credibility of the resurrection of Christ, I think, can be discerned through the, the eyewitness accounts of it, uh, the changed lives of the disciples, and the rapid expansion of the Christian way in the first few decades after the resurrection. I think this is in part what St. Peter is getting at in his sermon that we read, uh, that Christ, about Christ, that God allowed him to appear to us whom God had chosen in advance to be witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. This is an eyewitness account, verifying the veracity of the resurrection. And I think this is also what Matthew's gospel conveys to us when he relates the testimony of Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, who were the first eyewitnesses to the empty tomb, and then also later on in our reading were eyewitnesses to the risen Christ himself. So now I do think the resurrection is intellectually credible, but I'd like to think with you this morning about the existential satisfaction that comes from embracing the truth of the reality of Jesus Christ's resurrection. For his resurrection is not some idea far off way back when in the past. Christ's resurrection has present and future implications that I think speak directly to the bedrock existential needs that press in on us on a daily basis. Now, if we're thinking about existential satisfaction, we need to first think about what we mean by existential. This, of course, relates to our very existence. What's our existence about? Why do we exist? What does it even mean that we are here, alive, breathing, thinking, doing things? Does it even mean anything that we're here? And sometimes it might seem like the human existential situation is rather bleak, meaningless, fleeting, or futile. Even just a moment's scroll through the news this week shows how fragile our present existence is. A teenager is shot and killed by a cop after sleeping in his car. A business entrepreneur is stabbed to death while walking in the streets of San Francisco. And how many tens of soldiers died this week fighting a war in Ukraine? 
our, our existence seems at times to be so fleeting that the value of it might be even called into question. And it's not just death that surrounds us and causes us to call the meaning of our lives into question. How often do we in the modern world feel helplessly subjected to the whims and, and machinations of systems outside of our control? Someone somewhere decides that some interest rate needs to be a quarter percent higher and then all of a sudden a house that someone wanted to buy is no longer in their budget. Or someone somewhere decided that a company or a school's bottom line needs to get to some magical number and then all of a sudden a job or a career is pulled out under someone. And in fact, in a world without resurrection, I'm not sure actually how to quantify the value of our lives. What really is the point of any action, any decision, even any momentary pleasure if it's all gonna be gone when we breathe our last. Or even supposing we can make a difference in the world and it can extend beyond our lives, really for how long? I mean, supposing there's no resurrection, even if our impact on the world lasts a hundred or a thousand or even a million years, the heat death or the cold death or the big crunch of the universe will entail that nothing endures forever what could possibly be of enduring value of anything that we do. The value of life without resurrection is finite and, and fleeting. And this, to my mind, is incredibly existentially unsatisfying. But thanks be to God, this is not the Christian framework. The Christian framework is built solidly on the resurrection of Christ. And this is the sign, the promise, the guarantee of our own resurrection. And I think that there are, are there are at least three ways that the resurrection of Christ is existentially satisfying for the manner in which it defeats three forces that threaten our existential standing. So these three threats are sin, the devil, and death. Sin, the devil, and death are our existential foes. And yet the resurrection of Christ tells us that each of these threats has been defeated. The resurrection tells us that God is with us God is for us, and that we are for God. So let's take these in turn with the help of our readings this morning. Existential threat number one, sin, is defeated because the resurrection tells us that God is with us. Contained within the, the doctrine, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is the identity of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, scripture in our tradition tells us, is God, the creator of the universe. As John's Gospel says, all things were made through him, and apart from him, nothing was made. Sin, however, is, is an affront to our natural state as children of the Creator. Through our original sin and the sins we commit every day, we, we put ourselves at odds with the one who granted us existence in the first place. And so we're, we're alienated from the very ground of our being. However, the resurrection confirms that sin has been defeated on the cross. Our, our existence need not be threatened by sin any longer. We can live reconciled to God. Here again what Peter says in his sermon. This is the message of good news, that there is peace with God in Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Peace with God, peace with our creator. Now, I think too often we have a kind of anemic understanding of what peace entails. We might think that peace is just the absence of hostilities. Like, as long as things are neutral, then we're at peace. Like with countries, we might think that as long as they're not actively bombing each other, then they're at peace. Or in friendships, or marriages, or relationships, as, as long as we're not actively insulting each other, we're at peace. 
But I think the peace that Peter is talking about here, a peace with God that is actually existentially satisfying, this peace goes far beyond the simple absence of hostilities between us and God. Rather, the peace offered in the gospel is a flourishing with God, a cohesion with God, uh, living in harmonious unity with God. When our choir comes and sings in, in a few moments here, uh, when the voices come together, they make this beautiful music. They're in cohesion and at times in harmony with one another. This is the kind of flourishing peace with God that we're looking for on an existential level, a harmonization, a flourishing, a symphonic cohesion between our desires and our needs and the actions and those of those of the almighty God of the universe. The resurrection of Christ means that God has brought about more than a cessation of hostilities, but a full reconciliation between us and God. And this has opened the way for a deep, harmonious peace between us and our creator. So the existential threat of sin is defeated because the resurrection shows that God is with us. Secondly, Christian theology tells us uh, of another threat to our existence, and that's the devil. This ancient foe who was present in the first garden continues to attempt to thwart the people of God. But the resurrection of Christ tells us that ultimately God is for us and will defend us from the attacks of the evil one. I hope that biblical scholars will excuse a little bit of allegorical interpretation uh, from our Exodus reading this morning. An allegorical interpretation takes a passage of scripture and probes it for the manner that it might illumine other theological truths. And the deliverance of the people of Israel at the Red Sea is a, is a multifaceted and multi-layered narrative that I think admits of many spiritual applications. It's got a clear application to baptism, and this imagery is picked up in our baptismal liturgies. But I think alongside the baptismal motif is a resurrection motif as well. For in a sense, the Israelites did die at the Red Sea. They died to their old lives as captive slaves in Egypt and were delivered or were raised to a new life as free children of God. No longer were they subjected to the oppression and restriction of their taskmasters. Their lives were resurrected to newness in God who was leading them to the promised land. So in this passage, we see clearly that God is for his people. He led them out of Egypt. He protected them from the attacks of their enemies. And like the Egyptians pursued the Israelites, the devil prowls around like a lion looking for someone to devour, as First Peter puts it. But the promise that Moses conveys to the Israelites is one that we can embrace against this existential threat. Here's this from Exodus 14 again. Moses said to the people, fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. God is for us. God will fight for us. The resurrection of Christ shows us that the devil was not victorious over Christ. God did not stay in the tomb. This is a sign of the promise that God makes to us that ultimately Satan will be trampled down under our feet. So the resurrection of Christ shows us that God is with us, defeating the threat of sin, and that God is for us, defeating the threat of the devil. And the resurrection also, also shows us that, that we are for God, eternally for God, and that death no longer has to be an existential threat. If there is no God, if there is no resurrection, then death is not just the great equalizer, it's the great ender. 
as I mentioned earlier, what values do our actions have if they are fleeting and finite? If there is no God, there is no resurrection, if everything we do is just for another finite goal, for ourselves or for society or humanity, without resurrection it all passes away and eventually comes to nothing. But Christ's resurrection shows that there actually is a God, and there in fact is a resurrection. And because of Christ's resurrection, death is defeated, and it's not the great ender. St. Paul says, death, where is your victory? Death no longer has dominion over those who are in Christ. And so we are not for ourselves, for a finite thing. We are for God, the eternal infinite, who will preserve us forever. And now, all of a sudden, then, the value of our actions not only increases, the value exponentially increases, eternally increases, infinitely increases. The implications of your actions today are not exhausted tomorrow. The consequences of your actions today will reverberate into eternity. So the resurrection of Christ shows us that death has been defeated and is no longer an existential threat to us, which frees us to be for God, ordering our desires, our actions to God, and keying up the value of our lives to the eternal God of the universe, giving our lives in the present an infinite meaning because of the future resurrection that's promised to us in Christ's resurrection. And this, to me, seems of great existential satisfaction. The Christian faith and our existential satisfaction are founded on the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Through this mighty act of God, those forces that threaten our existence, sin, the devil, and death, have been defeated. We can live in peace and harmony with God. We can rest assured that God will defend us because God is for us. And our lives have meaning well beyond this moment because we are for God, eternally for God. And this, then, I think is a cause for celebration. So, hallelujah, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen.